Time to solve real problems in every education by answering key questions to ensure that every child can learn. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Every Child Can Learn. I'm excited to welcome the program, the host of the show, Phil Maycomer. Phil, how are you? And uh, I, I just, again, get such great knowledge every month with you on how you answer those questions. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing very well, Neil. You know, I always wake up each day just saying it's another day to make a difference, right, in education. And there are so many things that we could be focusing on every single day. And sometimes it's overwhelming to teachers, right? And I yeah. think that we need to simplify and to focus on the things that will give us the most impact. So our topic today is the question that was asked is what is an effective way to teach vocabulary in any content area? Before I get to that, we all know the importance of vocabulary, Phil. It is such an important part of a child's growth and learning because if they don't have the vocabulary, they don't have prior knowledge. Absolutely. You know, it all starts with word meaning. You know, you could have kids read and read and read. They could read a bag of books over the summer. But I will tell you, if they're not explicitly taught vocabulary that are in those books, we're not doing them the best service. We need to make sure that we are explicitly, visibly, teaching them vocabulary in ways that really engage them in really creative ways so that they just have better understanding of what words mean and then how they could really apply them to real life. Because Neil, so many times in schools, kids will look at something and say, well, why do I need to know this, right? It's that question of, well, this is dumb. This isn't important. If we show them what words mean and then why it's important and how they could apply it to their real life, they get it. They totally get it, Phil. And uh, it's, it's something that um, they have that uh, ability once they can kind of make that connectivity. I remember when I taught vocabulary and I, I don't mind, do you mind me sharing as a teacher when I taught vocabulary? Oh, please. Uh, okay. <laughs> what I really remembered when I taught vocabulary is really to make it fun for the student to, we would come up with ways to think about that word in certain ways, putting words on the chalkboard to relating objects to that word, to uh, sentences involving that word, all these different things before we even broke down that word that we were teaching in vocabulary to have the understanding of it. So we tried multiple different facets to gain that prior knowledge so they would understand that word. Yeah, and it's so important to do that multi-sensory teaching that you're talking about, Neil because students just shouldn't be memorizing information. We shouldn't be teaching kids to take tests, right? We need to build skills for them. We need to build the love of learning so that they carry that forward in their adult years. And, you know, there are fun ways to teach vocabulary. I mean, you could talk to any teacher and she could probably list her top 10 favorite ways to teach vocabulary that speak to her style of teaching. And that's all wonderful. But the thing that we need to remember is we need to teach toward our kids 
and students style of, of learning as well. So we need to pair our favorite teaching methods with the best ways that they can organize, retain and remember information. And that's what I'm really interested to ch chat about today. Absolutely. And I think that uh, it's, uh, it's, let's go into that. Let's dive deep. And I know that everyone that listens to this program have a pen and paper, but there's also resources available at the end uh, for our listeners to go and check up on. Go ahead, please. Yeah, you know, um, one of the things I am never a fan of in education is what I refer to as one and done, meaning this one activity is just when you're done with it, you just put it away and you never refer back to it. And the kids don't understand how one lesson is linked to the next lesson. And in our vocabulary instruction, we really can shape that by doing just a few easy things. For example, when teaching, whether it's in preschool for community helpers, say, or in math, or what are decimals or different operations that you're teaching or in language arts, like for a book, like Little House on the Prairie or Charlotte's Web, or even in world languages, like conjugating verbs and understanding Spanish, right? Exactly. Organizing information in a table. And I'm going to do a sound right now of, you're going to hear me knocking, nada table, meaning an information yeah. chart or a matrix. Um, and that is what I teach kids is that that's a multi-meaning word, right? So a table of information that has headers, which organize information, building in really nice executive functioning skills that list in the first column, what is the vocabulary word? So if it's in preschool for community helpers, that word might be police officer or firefighter. If it is in language arts for Charlotte's Web, it might be uh, the daughter and then the father and then the little piglet Wilbur. Those are characters that might be in that column. Those are the vocabulary words. So the vocabulary word is in your first column. But we also know tables have rows which go from left to right. And so uh, the vocabulary word would be the first column. The second column, of course, would be what does the word mean, right? Like, so right. all that, the definition. But the third column is so important. And I cannot stress this enough. And it's something you just mentioned earlier. Having an illustration of the word that the students actually draw themselves or look up online different oh, images that they I can represent. That. I love yeah. that. I love that because uh, that's just really utilizing the multi-sensory, but also in the fact that they really can make that connectivity more and more because they might just be a really visual learner. Exactly. And, you know, we know some kids have strengths in certain areas, right? Now, I'm not the best illustrator in the world, but I always say I try my best. And really, my illustration has to be meaningful to me. If I'm learning the word, my illustration, just like if I take notes on something, those notes have to be understood by me because they're my notes. And so I say to kids all the time, just illustrate the best way you can. 
I teach kids a certain term. And Neil, I don't know that you and I have ever chatted about this term before related to uh, vocabulary. I call it thumbnail sketching. No, I have not. No, I'm looking forward to hearing it. Yeah, thumbnail sketching is not a big art project. It is a quick and easy drawing that has just basic things in it that you could do in a snap. And thumbnail sketching is a really nice skill to teach kids, especially those that don't feel that they can really draw well, but yet it's important for them to take the ideas in their brain and literally put it on paper or put it on a screen. Because you could use drawing tools on a, a screen as well with technology for this. So I love the idea of kids illustrating something out really from their own lens, so to speak. And then in that fourth column of this table is they then draw out a real concrete example related to the word and related to the real world. And so I think that it's just a really nice way for kids to engage with vocabulary. I also love kids creating vocabulary projects as well, which could be a conversation for another time maybe, but uh, setting up a vocabulary table. If you're in-person learning in a traditional classroom and have a whiteboard, you could set up these rows and columns on a whiteboard and have students participate. Oh, yeah. That's so right? cool. Yeah. Very, very easy. You also, whether in-person or remote, could set up a slide that you have, like in Google Slides or PowerPoint, and have a table, and you could start entering information that way. You could have students in a remote learning have a piece of paper, and uh, with their piece of technology, after they draw something out on their paper, they then take a photo of it and they, they share it in their Google Meet and then it's added to the table or they themselves add it to a slide. So there's so many different ways that kids could be expressing and participating for engagement as opposed to listening to what words mean. They're actually a part right. of creating resources. Exactly. So Phil, the point is that yes, you have to teach that. Yes, you have to kids, have the kids read it in a sentence in the book, but you have to utilize these other ways as well because every learner learns differently exactly. and every child can learn is the name of this podcast because of that reason. Every child, regardless of disability, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of socioeconomic background can learn. Exactly, Neil. You know, I'd like to give an example of a special needs student sure. who participated sure. in this type of lesson but really did not have the hand function to be able to not only write her name, but she certainly couldn't draw things out. They resembled more like scribbling than anything meaningful for her. And so what we ended up doing was giving her picture choices of different things to represent the words. So for example, on the unit of owls, for example, uh, we had, our vocabulary word was snowy owl in science class. That was one of the, the terms that was going in the vocabulary table. And so we had four pictures out of snowy owls and she got to pick the one that she wanted to paste 
onto her vocabulary table because she really couldn't have the fine motor skills to draw that out herself. But then in addition to that, because this student uh, then became much more independent and wanted a little more control in her instruction uh, and independence, whenever she selected a picture that might be a little bit larger, we cut it in the form of a puzzle and she got to paste it together. And then she got to see all the little parts of that picture create the snowy owl. And it was so cool to see how engaged she was with this. And it's no different than a student grabbing a pencil and saying, I'm going to draw the beak and now I'm going to draw the wing and I'm going to draw the talons or the, the claws of the owl. That's a part by part lesson. And so our students yes. put part by part together by pasting a picture together. So it achieved the same goal of putting something together as a picture or illustration of the word. Love it. This is such great information. And when you have done used some of these strategies, you must be blown away to see how quickly people can gain vocabulary, right? It is. And you know, it, it's so interesting, Neil, because just like I said uh, previously in our conversation, we want to make sure that we're not just like teaching for a test or teaching for this week uh, just to get students to achieve something and then we move on to the next thing. Because that's what, what happens in education all the time, just because of our unreasonable pacing guides sometimes to need to cover so much information in an often impossible amount of time that slow and steady, and I've used that term in our previous podcasts. So by doing this methodical type of teaching, you have students retaining the information more because then you're also applying it to the real world. And so, you know, and one example, uh, you know, might be, let's do the owl example, like with Michaela. Uh, here she was learning what a snowy owl was. So the vocabulary word was snowy owl. We defined what the snowy owl was. She had an illustration of the word. And then a concrete example was uh, she had to find in a video of owls, she needed to stop it at the snowy owl to show her understanding. And she had to match what was on the video to what was in her vocabulary table. That was an application in the real world. And she lives in an environment geographically where she would see snowy owls, even in her backyard. Yeah. Right. So that's real life for this kid. Absolutely. It seems like real life. And then said such a great thing. Now, Phil, uh, anything else to provide based on this question? You know, um, yes, I, I had described the uh, four columns with vocabulary word, definition, illustration of the word and drawing of a concrete example uh, related to the word. You could also uh, swap out one of those columns or add another column for synonyms of the word. And that would be certainly topic dependent. Like we're not really going to find a synonym for snowy owl because that's a particular type of owl. But let's say that it was a different type of word, right? Um, so let's say we were teaching social skills in the classroom and we had the word uh, 
topic. So what is the topic of your conversation? Well, we could think of lots of synonyms for topic. It's the subject of right, exactly. what you're discussing um, and so on. So having a list of synonyms, words that mean the same thing, really affect down the road the writing process because what we're doing is giving students really nice vocabulary banks to not use the same words over and over again. Oh, such so, so, such great information. And, and and Phil, what's great about this is all of these strategies can be learned online. You could teach vocabulary online. It doesn't have to be in a remote, it could be in a remote setting. It doesn't have to be in the classroom. Correct. I mean, I always say school is school, whether it's, I'll, I'll use the term of a child on the autism spectrum who is so dear to my heart. He would call it uh uh, school building school and computer school. And I just thought that was extremely visual in terms of his description of school these days, right? And as we know that, you know, we're still in our pandemic here and a lot of remote learning is still taking place. And so you could just through a simple screen share just through using basic technology tools. You know, one of my favorite apps uh, is called Word Swag, Word, W-O-R-D, Swag, S-W-A-G. And oh, wow. yeah, what Word Swag allows you to do, Neil, is to take a picture and then to type on any visual that you have. And you can get those pictures from like Google Images or say your online textbook or, you know, anywhere, or you could take your own photos and then type words on them. And so I've had so many students, I was just teaching problem solving to a group of high school students, and we were identifying problems and solutions and really defining what those words were. And at the end of the lesson, our real life application of a concrete example in column number four was, all the students got to create a word swag of a positive statement about so solving problems. And like, for example, one student selected this beautiful picture of a horizon and typed on it, there are many solutions on the horizon to any problem. Now that is a real life application of the word solution, right? And so- yeah. Students, they were just so engaged in this and they got to, you know, print out or use for their pictures that represent themselves online. You know, like when you're in a meeting, you could tag a picture if you're not sharing your video. These students started using their word swags to rep of their positive statements of their vocabulary words as their visuals to represent themselves. So talk about engagement. It doesn't get better than that with high schoolers. Oh, you, you, you bet. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so Phil, where can people get additional resources uh, for this great topic and that, and also other additional information? Yeah. You know um, you can go to my website at about the pact.com. That's about a B O U T the T H E pact pact.com, aboutthepact.com, and Neil, on our uh, seminars and classes tab, 
There is one particular seminar that I think our listeners would gain lots of ideas from, and it is about uh, UDL teaching strategies. So it is the recorded seminar on strategies, and there are so many vocabulary strategies within that seminar, including some of the things that I discussed today. So it would provide really nice visuals and handouts to our listeners if they were interested in that. Fabulous. Such great information, Phil. I appreciate it again for every child can you learn. And I, I learned so much every episode and I have to go back and review and I cannot wait for more and more people to learn about every child can learn and more and more people benefit from your services. So thanks again for stopping by. Oh, it's my pleasure, Neil. All right. That was every child can learn everyone. Thanks for listening to every child can learn. Please visit Phil's website at aboutthepack.com for questions or comments.